Hey, hi everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Really happy to have you here today. We have the co-founder and CTO of Seat Republic, this really cool company that helps traditional companies onboard onto the Web3 area. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, crypto, ah, the scan. Look, I know there's some really bad stuff happening in the news right now, or has happened by the time you've listened to this. This was recorded a little bit ago, so before a lot of the worst stuff. But day to day, more and more companies are focusing on their ability integrate and work with Web3 environments. And Shiat Republic is one that one of the best on-ramps here that companies are finding. So they're growing like crazy. Really cool. There's so many use cases that are growing. And this is really something around opportunities around the world, not just in a few select areas. So what Shiat Republic is doing is really cool. But before we get too far into this, look, if you like the show, if you don't like the show, please just go leave us a review at your favorite listening site. Let us know what you like. Let us know what we can do to improve the show. The more we hear from you, the more we can put into making this better for everyone. So thank you for listening and please leave us a review. Also, if you're into uh, working on improving your own entrepreneurial journey, we've been experimenting and we're bringing out of beta a community, Deliberate Entrepreneurs, deliberateentrepreneurs.com. Um, and we have a uh, small and growing group of entrepreneurs who work together to improve their own capability as entrepreneurs on these journeys that we take. So, you know, if you're interested in um, finding a good group of people who are interested in helping you together with your own ability to be a better entrepreneur, go check it out. And we can kind of, you know, we'll talk about it in an episode soon where we really dive into it. But it's still in beta and uh, we're bringing in a few more people. So if you're interested, come on in and uh, be one of the first in the group. All right. I think what's really cool today is thinking about where Martina and her co-founders are. Fiat Republic, as I was saying, is really kind of a hot, even in this environment, they've been growing quickly. A lot of great work, a lot of great clients. And she's going to talk about a few things that are interesting. Think of it this way. If you're sort of in that VC-backed realm and you've hit product and you're starting to scale, they're just past that initial piece. So they're still in that scaling bought product set. So really doing some great work. Also, you know, if you're more of the self-funded thing, think of it more, once again, depending on your business model, of being in that like mid seven figure. You got the business down, you have a thing of money. Now you're just trying to figure out how to deal with increasing complexity and scaling your operational capabilities. Plus, continuing to grow. Simple, really. It's not. That's why this is going to be a fun conversation. She talks around the roles she and her co-founders had early on and how they evolved as the company grew. You know, starting off with this deep focus on product and then evolving into growing and supporting the team that had the focus on everything. And that transition point is something that I have found difficult 
over time in my different efforts. And I always find it interesting listening to how different entrepreneurs approach this. She'll talk about being authentic and transparent and just the ongoing effort that takes. Because we hear a lot of people, oh yeah, transparent, don't the truth, radical, transparent, all these things. But it's not exactly the easiest thing. And she frames a lot in helping to develop her, her team's capabilities by being continuously learning, by focusing on allowing herself to fail, but being honest about her failures with her team and creating feedback loops, both for her to learn and for her team to learn as they grow. So she integrates these different pieces. And you know, once again, it's this thing like, we sheer do this, be authentic, be transparent. But the reality is it's not straightforward. So as she talks back and forth about how to ask for feedback, how to be honest around her own failures, and to just be continuously learning and modeling that behavior. As a parent, I think something I realized probably a little bit too late about how important modeling behavior is, but it's something that I find really interesting. And I love the way she kind of will talk about one area and then bring back concept from before. So as you think about this and listen, think about where you are, go ahead, you know, listen to how she talks about how she uses this, how she used it around a failure point, how she uses it to grow her team, you know, and put it in mind of what you're doing. So anyway, I think this is a really fun episode and it's a really great subject. Let's go talk to Martina. Hello, Martina. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited to have you here. I was just telling the audience about your background and everything you've been doing. I am really fascinated about one, the entire crypto space, like many other people. I've been involved so much just as, I'll call it the consumer side, you know, the investor side, to really dive into what you're doing with Fiat Republic is going to be fascinating. But before we go too far into that, where are you on your own journey? Hi, thanks for sure, like for having me on that show. So I would say I'm I'm still pretty early in, in my journey. At least I consider it to be early. I've been at it probably for like a little bit more than a year. So I started in engineering. So I started as a developer. I, I do have engineering background. I went into the, you know, code side of things, of everything. And somewhere along the way, after a couple of years, I actually discovered that hey, there are like very cool startups around. That was around the time that I moved to London, actually. And I saw all the cool companies being built. And you had such an impact. You could just decide that we're going to do it this way, that way. And it was more about like not even the, the product itself that you're building. So not only the idea, but it was also about like who is building it, like people behind it that were making it happen. And meeting those people in real life, uh, I realized that this is probably what I want to do. I saw that uh, how, how much more involved I was when I was able to, to have bigger impact in smaller companies as opposed to in, in, in bigger corporations. And I never looked back. So that was very much the beginning. That's why I still consider myself at the beginning of the journey, but I definitely enjoyed. Looking at what Fiat Republic is doing, it is such an interesting thing. Yeah, the degree of difficulty is quite hard. So you may be talking about being early on your journey, but you are taking an accelerated course, definitely having gone through a lot of sort of just the development and the partnerships and the work you guys are doing. As you're going through, I was fascinated in reading a little bit about the background and about the way you're building your teams and kind of your approach to it. 
Would you maybe talk a little bit about this? Because I think this talks a lot about where you are as an entrepreneur, because you've been in the trenches, you're bringing that of someone who was a developer 25 plus years ago, and then have run away from code as quickly as possible. It is always great to see someone who has been there and now leads. Would you talk a little bit about it? Of course. So I think it's worth mentioning that when we started a company with, uh, with other co-founders, each of us had a certain role in, in a company to play, and that role keeps evolving uh, as the company evolves. So I didn't run away from the code yet, I would put it that way. So I'm still, still very much involved in, in all the technical details of, of the product that we're building. But I see a great uh, value in also building a team. So you start from knowing how to build the product, what sort of tools you need, what sort of people you need around yourself, and you go into okay, I need that person and this person and uh, because they need to deliver A, B, and C. So I think a lot of it is about building the right people and the right team and uh, hiring the right people. And um, for me, the right person is a person that knows that ultimately what we're doing, we're solving business problems. So once you realize that it's not about like the newest tool uh, in your toolbox, it's about actually solving the problems, the business problems, then that's it. It opens your eyes and uh, you realize that Hey, doesn't matter which tools I'm going to use, I'm going to be able to build something that somebody will be able to, to use for, it will add value. So I think that's, uh, that's the most important bit. But uh, speaking of the coding in the past and then moving into more, uh, you know, managerial positions, uh, it's, a, it's a huge difference. I would say not everybody likes it. Uh, for me personally, I, I very much enjoy working with people that have computers because I think it's quite interesting, uh, the dynamics that you can have in a team how you build the team, which like the people you are hiring and how, how you see they're evolving. The team is evolving. Everybody that is on the team is also learning so much. They have their goals. They have their objectives. They have their journey, right? And you're with them on that journey. So you're able to help them get from point A to point B. You can build a relationship that way because it's not about like uh, me just saying, oh, can you deliver this? It's about me saying, we need to deliver this together. I'm going to be there to support you along the way, whatever you need. So I think that's, that's the important thing about the team. It is because this is what I was interested, not always, but very often when I hear founders, tech leads, et cetera, talk about their needs to develop their capabilities, they talk more about the skill set or sort of the outcome, not the person, which is really funny because it's like, yeah, yeah, we're in this kind of mentality. Oh, yeah, we need to add some blah, rust. We need to be, you know, da 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 this or that. And it's like, oh, how does that get done? At this point, AI coding is still pretty basic. So it's not quite just pointing a couple of, can you write this? It's actually needing people who can solve these problems. So it is very subtle, but it is very sadly unique that you're coming at it from the type of people you need to then the type of capability to then the tool sets they need to be able to then drive the type of value. I mean, it's that little extra line. Everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it's a person we need, but you're starting from there, which seems to change at least from what I've been reading and then the way the site Fiat Republic talks about what it does and its mission. It's that slight different in coming to that, is that something you found from your own experience wasn't being done? You know, where is this coming from to kind of focus on the people you need and then develop out the capabilities? 
A very good question. It's a mixture of everything I've seen so far. I've worked in multiple companies in the past. I've looked around, I see what was working, what was not working, what I actually valued. And I think it comes down to values. So even if you look at, at Fiat Republic, uh, you're going to see that we defined our values very early on. So if you go to our website, we're going to read our manifesto. And we spent a lot of time on it because that was the culture element of, of the company was very, very important to us. So obviously we knew uh, when we got together that there is a problem. We need to solve the problem for the crypto companies because ultimately what Fiat Republic is building, we're building the bridge and uh, the golden standard of the bridge between banking services and say, crypto companies so that they can use the uh, pay in, pay out on their platforms. Ultimately, that's kind of like in a, in a nutshell what, what we're doing with a very, very strong compliance layer. That's very important. What is happening right now is you have crypto companies that are getting debunked on a daily basis because the risk appetite of the banking providers is changing. So that's a very tough situation, right? What we're building, we're building a two-sided network. So on one way, you have uh, the banking providers. On the other way, on the other side, you have crypto platforms. And we're in the middle, right? To begin with, when you look at the product, it's quite a complex product. So we needed a lot of expertise in the area, right? But expertise is one thing. The other thing is, again, getting the right people that are able to build it. And not only people who are able to, you know, be part in a, of a startup, because it's a completely different culture than the one that you get in a huge corporations, but also knowing that as the company grows, the people in the company are growing as well. So I, I definitely can say that the engineers that we hired six months ago already accumulated so much knowledge over the past six months because they've been exposed to so many things that they're like a different, you know, different type of engineer right now already, right? So we know that's what we need in a given stage and how that is changing, like together with the company. It's kind of, I mean, one, without going into the, oh my God, crypto discussion, but just watching the feast famine, new famine, 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 and then maybe feast yet again, the technology is changing, but it seems almost like it requires an ongoing focus on the problem solving rather than the tech as a primary capability, just because, as you said, the bank's risk, yeah, that's an interesting phrase, the bank's risk approach style, i.e. the types of code and what they make you jump through changes on a wrong-going basis, which requires iterations and iterations of code, which means project. And yeah, so it's like, yeah, that's a a very short phrase for a, a lot of work. Now that you're now that you're sort of guiding the direction, how do you make sure that that problem solving, keep it that flexibility to the changing moment? Because you talked about your developers growing, which is great and everything, but you have to almost bring them in first and then bring them on that journey. So how are you, I would love to kind of dive into that because this space is changing so quickly you know, for you. Yes. Uh, so I think in the beginning when we're, when I, I went out to, to hire our first engineers, where first of all, I got lucky because I, I knew an amazing engineer from uni and he decided to, to help us build the platform in the beginning. So that was the first person that joined. He actually joined Field uh, for Public full time later on as the principal software engineer. So our backbone. It was a lot of selling, I would say, in a way, uh, but in a good way. So we didn't really have any presence at that time. So. There was a website and, and nothing much that you could find out about us online, right? So it took a lot of convincing, but there was one thing that we had from the very beginning and that was like we were authentic and uh, we're able to see what are the important things for an engineer and not just engineers, right? For anybody that is joining a young company like ours. 
And I think transparency, that's one of the strongest things for us. I'm not going to go to an interview and, and uh, tell somebody it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, like nine to five and it's, it's going to be so easy. Everything will work. Everything will work and, and it's going to be right. <laughs> the flowers, right? Yeah. So no, like uh, I value honesty. So I was honest from the, from the beginning saying that, okay, we have problems to solve. We have multiple things to build. There's going to be like, it's going to come down like to us actually building it together. So there's not going to be like the magical team far away that is going to solve the problems for us. It's us that are solving the problems. People were, I think, maybe a little bit surprised by it, but also it's trying to note, you know, because it showed that uh, we know what we're talking about. We're not trying to, to oversell. We're very honest. We are also very specific about like how we're approaching, which tools we want to use, how we want to build things, what is the process of, of building. And all of that having certain things and let's say frameworks in place already and showing that uh, we're not trying to take an easy road. We're trying to build something that lasts because we're building for builders. So we're building and our customers are the crypto platforms, but the people who are integrating with our API that are engineers that are working for the crypto platforms and they are going to be the judges. So if you go out and tell the, you know, tell the engineers that, you know what, what I want from you is actually tell me what is like, how bad is this API like? Why you don't like it? And you start from the complaining point of view, like you're welcome this feedback. And uh, engineers like complaining a lot. They always try to outsmart each other and saying like, oh, this one will work better. So if you have this healthy conversations or discussions and you get them going, that starts creating the culture, the healthy conversation. That's the beginning. Yeah. And in that kind of differentiation of your customers, you have two types of engineers having looked at and semi-invested in some of the crypto startups, you have almost a Wild West type of developer, you know, not fully self-taught, but more of the hacker ethos versus I know engineers, I have friends who've been in banks forever. That is the type of engineer that is buttoned down that whole, since you worked at GE, I used to have GE clients back in the day. It is like that old, like, oh, you are an engineer. Wow. Like, straight out of movie casting. You know, you could almost see that corporate type where it is so buttoned down versus the more Web3 is still that kind of Wild West to use an Americanism. But it is funny that you are being the bridge between those two types of cultures and providing that. And then they have their end clients on both sides. Yeah, it's a fascinating Problem because it's not like, oh, this is our client. We build to it. Da, da, da. We have a great avatar. Just talk to him or them, her, etc. And you're fine. It's like, no, we have this one. We have this one. You're bridging a lot there. And what do you do for your own entrepreneurial capabilities? You're very calm, very confident, and your explanations are straight. But as I keep trying to point out, these are very complex things you're doing. So your degree of difficulty, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, it would be great to work for you at least yeah, for this conversation. <laughs> but it's like, you have a very high degree of difficulty in what you're trying to do. So that requires a lot from you as the entrepreneur is you as a leader of your team and of your company. What do you do to work on that capability? Not just working on the company, but on you? So that's a very good question. I think uh, the way I look at it, I think we're constantly evolving. So I need to keep learning 
all the time. So I learn from every situation, every problem that I face, uh, every conversation that I have. I probably learn even from this, uh, from this podcast, right? So it goes like this. For me, everything is a learning opportunity. And I think also the fact that I, I love asking questions. So if I'm uncertain about something, I'm just going to go ahead and ask. And the fact that I'm actually surrounded by people who are very good at what they're doing. I look at my other co-founders and I see that they're like an example, like how to behave in certain situations and uh, just never stop learning. That's the main thing. That's one. And the other one is just accepting that you're going to fail <laughs> and uh, just being ready for it. Sometimes we fail like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a failure that is very specific and it's like, okay, that line of code didn't work. I'm talking more about like I was in a situation and I actually, I failed. I, I could have behaved better. I could have handled it better, right? And then my kind of like, let's say that the stuff that is pushing me to, to go like to be even better, it's the, the fact that I know that there are so many people in our company already we're like 27 people strong. And my ultimate goal is not to fail them, to be kind of like the rock for them. And uh, that's always like no panic. That's the number one thing. So, and honesty. Uh, I, I do believe that people value honesty. So for me, it's about uh, constantly learning from all the people that I meet on my way. That's the easiest I can get because then I can very much so like just follow on with questions. How did you do something? How did you, uh, you know, when you had that experience, when you had to negotiate this thing, when you had that failure, how did you cope with it? And uh, just taking all that knowledge inside and processing it also bits and then applying. And to, you know that you were like, if you just, you just need to try it out. You just need to put yourself out there because uh, no matter what that is, uh, whether it's, uh, let's say, public speaking, let's say negotiation or let's say leading a team, you won't know if you're good at it unless you try. So it starts with that. And in the beginning, you're not going to be great at it, but uh, experience and practice gives you that. So you need to just go out there. When I transitioned after selling my company, I did a lot of angel investing because there was people I knew or knew of and I learned soon enough that that wasn't really working. And I started using sort of like a, yeah, creating feedback loops, I just, you know, uh, journaling why I'm making an investment and then creating certain time periods to review the process based upon, you know, obviously the different metrics involved. But like, cause what you're talking about, yeah, is a great process, but how do you create feedback into that learning experiences? For me, it's, let's say I, I've got the goal, but obviously like if I'm going to judge myself, it's going to be, it's not going to be the same. Like if I ask somebody else that was like with me in that situation. So I constantly ask everybody around me, like, what do you think? Did I, did I do it? Like, were you happy with that or not? Like, what would you change? Especially people that I value, whose opinion I value, right? I, I welcome the feedback and no matter whether it's a positive thing or it's something negative coming, it's okay. As long as there is something, because that gives, I even prefer if, if this is a bit more kind of like, let's say the harder feedback to get, because uh, then I can just focus on improving the things that I'm not great at. So for me, having that feedback loop and asking everybody around for it actively, that's one way of doing things. And I also make sure that it's not only for me. So this is what we're constantly doing with all the, you know, people on the engineering team, people in the, in the company, the feedback is important because that's the way you grow. If you don't know where to grow, it's going to be really hard. So it's easier for people from outside to tell you, you need to work on this, on A, B, C, and D. And that way you're like, okay, so I'm going to try to improve. And in a month's time, in a two months time, let's revisit the subject. So it's a constant feedback loop for me. 
You mentioned goals. Do you guys work off sort of a KPI or an OKR process, or do you have a different system views? Uh, very much. I love metrics. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's one thing. I think we're very much, uh, yes, we, we do have KPIs, uh, certain things that, uh, you know, thresholds that want to reach. And uh, everybody in the in the company has objectives because it's easier. It's easier when you say like, these are the things that I want you to work on, or it's a conversation to begin with. That's very important because where do you want to be in six months time? Where do you want to be in three months time? And what else do you need? So it has to be a mixture of uh, what the company is uh, is expecting from you with uh, a little bit like, where do you want to be personal because you want to work on something? Uh, so we put that together and that becomes, uh, you know, the objectives for, for somebody for the quarter. And we revisit those all the time. We also don't wait. That means that uh, if we see someone struggling or the other way around, if we see someone doing a great job at something, we straight away go into recognition or go into telling somebody, okay, Maybe we need a little bit help. Let's talk like what else could help. We don't wait for three months to kind of like just give the note at the end of the you know period. We do it constantly. And that's why uh, even though we were small, like let's say six months ago, we already had all the kind of like tools in place, all the processes in place to share the feedback, like having one-on-ones and not skipping those. Uh, not in the sense like sometimes in, in, in bigger corporations, it's kind of like just to check a box. For us, it's more about getting to know the other person and making sure that they really have everything that they need in order to get to the next level. I like that. And I think it's a challenge, you know, having developed teams, but not quite as smooth, or at least my descriptions have not been as smooth as that. Um, As you're looking at that and you look at sort of these objectives you're putting in for the company and your roles and your team, have you planned out what your success as an entrepreneur is going to look like? You know, it could be just around Fiat Republic or it could be your entire journey. Do you look at what you as an entrepreneur success looks like? I think I haven't defined that yet. Uh, what is the true success? Because it's constantly changing. So for me, it's like there's this always this next big thing. So I might define that, okay, this is what a successful look for me. But actually when I get there, I'm going to be like, I need more. I need more of something. And uh, I still have like so much to do, so much I can learn. So it's like a never ending bit for, for, for me. But I do think at this stage, what I would consider a success is um, being able to build a very strong company with a very strong team, good culture and a product that is being used and it serves the customer as well. So putting all of that in place, that's the kind of like the bare minimum that I see as a, as a you know, what is a success, what is not a success. That is pretty cool. All right. So you haven't looked at like what personal, but you are also, it's kind of funny because I was, as you were describing it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember being in the early .com, then the, you know, then the .com bubble and then the .com crash and all that. And just sort of the craziness of everything moving. And it kind of feels like Web3 is there. Yeah. Maybe we'll see that with the metaverse, who knows? But yeah, it's like, the Web3, different technology, different things, and obviously different sort of investment and sort of boom-bust cycle. It is very much that thing, the definition of things just change quickly. If you could, what would be the most exciting thing that comes out of this experience for you as an entrepreneur? The biggest success would be like when I'm meeting all the people along the way, and if I see the growth of the people that that I've met and uh, that we've hired into Fiat Republic, I think that is going to be the, the greatest thing I can see. It's funny that you say that now because 
from hindsight, looking back at my teams and seeing people in either their own great startups or seeing the growth of the people who you've hired and helped grow, it's like, I didn't think of it at the time. So it's great that you are because it is, especially with 20 right, 25 plus years of experience in the industry, it is fascinating. And so like, oh my God, I remember when that person didn't know how to like open, you know, do anything. And now they're like, amazing. So yeah, that is the coolest part, I think. But that's from hindsight. So that's so cool. That's something now for you. You'll enjoy it. It really does. That's a fun, fun part of this. What are the types of people from the show, since we have so many entrepreneurs who are listening to the show in this, what are the types of people that should be looking at Fiat Republic? I know we talked about the financial institutions, banks, but from the Web3 side, then the traditional financial institutions, who should be looking and who should be having a conversation with you? Pretty much any company that, uh, that has to do with Web3 that is trying to incorporate Fiat payments in their platform. So basically what we're doing, we're building the bridge between Web2, so the kind of like old way of things, the banking, and Web3. We are the trusted entity and the intersection of banks, regulators, and crypto platforms. So if your company needs to work on a feature that is about paying in fiat money or paying out or withdrawals, you should talk to us and you should watch our space, especially since we're building a compliance garden. That means that our payments, like if somebody says, oh, Fiat Republic's handling those payments, the banks are going to be happy because they're going to be like, yeah, the very good compliance level, right? That's very important for us. So I would say anybody from Web3 that has to do with payments. Well, Martina, thank you so much. I'll make sure we put everything in the show notes soon, but thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed talking with you and I can't wait to see what the type of company you build because so quick and already so impactful, it's only going to go faster and greater. So thank you. Thank you so much. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.